Right. Seems like it's working. Okay. Right, let's get into the word for the day. Um, a while ago, Dave uh, Fippo, he's my go-to man when I'm looking for books to read. Uh, he's very well read. And um, he put me onto uh, Brennan Manning. And I read his book, uh, The Furious Longing of God. And it has had a huge impact on my life. And I will be quoting him a lot today. Um, I'm a one-trick pony, unfortunately, when it comes to me sharing. And uh, so you know what you're going to get from me. <laughs> but um, let's, I'm going to read some, some quotes from Brennan Manning and we'll unpack what, what I feel he has to say to us. Let me have a drink quickly. Right, sorry about that. Ironically, it was April Fool's Day, 1975, 6.30 a.m., and I woke up in a doorway on Commercial Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I was thick in an alcoholic fog, sniffing vomit all over my sweater, staring down at my bare feet. I didn't know a wino would steal my shoes during the night to buy a bottle of Thunderbird but one did. I'd been out on the street for a year and a half, drunk every day, sleeping on the beach until the cops chased me away. You could find me in doorways or under the bridge, always clutching my precious bottle of tequila. And it wasn't just that this good Franciscan priest drank too much. I broke every one of the Ten Commandments six times Tuesday. Adultery, Countless acts of fornication, violence to support my addiction, character assassination to anybody who dared to criticize me or remonstrate with me. The morning I woke up in the alcoholic boozy fog, I looked down the street to see a young woman coming toward me, maybe 25 years old, blonde and attractive. She had her son in hand, maybe four years old. The boy broke loose from his mother's grip and ran to the doorway and stared down at me. His mother rushed in behind, behind him, tucked her hand over his eyes and said, don't look at that filth. That's nothing but pure filth. Then I fell to her shoe. She broke two of my ribs with that kick. That filth was Brennan Manning, 32 years ago. And the God I've come to know by sheer grace, the Jesus I've met in the grounds of my own self, has furiously loved me regardless of my state, grace or disgrace. And why? For his love is never, never, never based on our performance, never conditioned by our moods of elation or depression. The furious love of God knows no shadow of alteration or change. It is reliable and always tender. Brendan Manning experienced radical, radical change in his life. I want change in my life, and I think many of us do. I'm sure 
the things that all of us sitting in this room here today want to change. Well, Jesus has got some great news for you. You can. You can change. And here comes the big old but. Oh, man, you guys, I can hear you saying it now. We knew there was a but coming. You know, it's like a few years ago, I started getting a serious middle-aged spread. I was middle-aged, um, and I was out of shape and overweight, and uh, I was doing what most middle-aged men do. And I woke up one day and said, mm -mm, no, this is, this is not, not on. So I resolved to change my situation. And boy, was it hard. I love chocolate and wine gums and sweets, as you have already heard this morning, and cake, and anything that is sweet, I will stuff it into my mouth. And I'd gone off exercise, I was unfit, and, but I decided no. And it was painful, but I started training, I started watching my diet, I started being disciplined, and I slowly but surely managed to start fighting back my middle-aged spread. But it was quite painful. But the rewards are also amazing. When you reach your target goal weight, and you're starting to run better and just on better shape. And it's the same with our spiritual lives. We can change our lives. The things that we want changed, we can change. We just want the Holy Spirit to wave a magic wand and we walk out of this room today changed and we, our character traits, the ones that we dislike, so much that, that, that hinder us uh, have disappeared. But it's not like that. It takes work, guys. It takes work and effort. But we can do it. If Brendan Manning can get off the street, that caption I've just read, and become one of the most incredible writers you will ever read. This, I think, Dov, was it one of the best books you've ever read, or was it Dallas Willard? But the, this, the way he writes is incredible. If you read these, this book, he, he wrote another book called The Ragamuffin Diaries, is it? Yeah. And uh, he writes incredibly well, and he was a wano on the street. We can change our lives. Brendan Manning started with a small habit. He started saying to himself from Song of Solomon's, Chapter 7, verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. He started with a small habit. He said that to him as many times during the course of the day as he could to remind himself, I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. I want to read from Jeremiah 29. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Matthew 9 verse 10. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, 
Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I come not to call the righteous, but sinners. How cool is that, eh? If you're anything like me, at some stage, you might be feeling discouraged or frustrated by your seemingly fruitless attempts to pray more, to read more, to be a better person, a more merciful person, or to overcome some form of sin which seems to have its claws deeply in you. Has your faith grown dry and weary? Do you, you might be maybe feeling distant from God. And I certainly sometimes uh, just become discouraged by my lack of progress and my lack of intimacy with Jesus. And I'm sure most of us feel like that sometimes. We hear these inspiring stories of other people doing great things and changing their lives radically and wonder why ours doesn't. Are you longing for a radically transformed life? All that really matters is this. Have you experienced the furious longing of God or not? So, we want to put off our old lives and begin a new one. I'm going to read another quote from Brendan Manning. How is it then that we've come to imagine that Christianity consists primarily in what we do for God? How has it come to be the good news of Jesus? Is the kingdom that he proclaimed to be nothing more than a community of men and women who go to church on Sunday, take an annual spiritual retreat, read their Bibles every now and again, vigorously oppose abortion, don't watch X-rated movies, Never use vulgar language, smile a lot, hold doors open for people, root for the favorite team, get along with everybody. Is that why Jesus went through the bleak and bloody horror, horror of Calvary? Is that why he emerged in shattering glory from the tomb? Is that why he poured out his Holy Spirit on the church to make nicer men and women with better morals? The gospel is absurd and the life of Jesus is meaningless unless we believe that he lived, died and rose again with one purpose in mind. And here it is, guys. To make brand new creations. Not to make people with better morals. Uh, uh, not to make people with better morals, but to create a community of prophets and professional lovers, men and women who would surrender to the mystery of the fire of the spirit that burns within, who would live in ever greater fidelity to the omnipresent word of God, who would enter into the center of it all, the very heart and mystery of Christ, into the center of the flame that consumes purifies and sets everything aglow with peace, joy, boldness, and extravagant, furious love. This, my friends, is what it really means to be a Christian. And Brendan Manning should know. That center of it that he's talking about, 
that heart, that flame, that fire, that is the Holy Spirit. So, one of the spiritual exercises to help us to strengthen our faith and lead a happier, more amazing, transformed lives is exercising getting stuck into the Word. So today, we are going to look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3 is entitled, Rules for Holy Living. You can turn there if you've got your Bibles. Rules for Holy Living. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator." Here there is no Gentile Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, I know what you might be thinking, because it's what I think is, yeah, we read the, these truths, but, uh, and sometimes we even have memorized scripture. And we fall short when it comes to doing. We have the best of intentions, and yet we struggle to do what the Word is telling us to do. What really matters is, have you experienced the furious longing of God? I just want to unpack a few points from that scripture that we've read from Colossians. And the point... The first point was, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Jesus has invited us to seek him. He, as we read there, if we seek him, we will find him. In the depths of your depression, you will find him. Set your mind on him, just reach out. Isn't it funny how when we get depressed, we just withdraw into our shells. And we push everybody who might be trying to help us or near and dear to us and even God away. We just go into our shelves. Set your mind on him. Just reach out. You will find him, even there. Um, we've all sometimes hidden from God. And we get stuck in our own 
pity parties and that is just a, such an unhelpful place to find ourselves. Matthew 22, and you know this is coming whenever I preach. God has put this in me, and you know it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This whole book is summed up in that verse from Matthew 22. And that's why I will share from that. Whenever I get a chance to stand up here, I will share that. Because that incredibly powerful, and those were Jesus' words. They're the two most important commandments. And you can, it's a whole preach in itself. It's, it's a number of preachers in itself. Set your mind, focus your thoughts on God. He needs to be your priority. He needs to come first in your, in, your, in your life? Is your mind beset with worry and anxious thoughts? Does the gloomy mist of depression cloud you? Set your mind on things above. Imagine if we could, you know, I have a particular person in my life at the moment who is infuriatingly frustratingly, I have really felt God work in my life through this person who is extremely self-absorbed and difficult. And I have found myself, um, <laughs> every time I stand up here, I, I, I'm an open book. <laughs> And sometimes I get told, you mustn't be so transparent. <laughs> be careful. But, guys, I am who I am. We all suffer. We all have somebody in our life that is just so difficult to deal with. And God has been talking to me and, and, about um, how I, I will go and moan to my wife about this person. And they're not in the church, just in case you, you thought <laughs> it's somebody in the church. But yeah. I will, yeah, yet. <laughs> there, there we go. And, and, and I would play over and over again in my mind this, the offense that this person has done to me. And I would keep playing it over and over in my mind. And then I would allow myself to imagine this man being humbled and disgraced and get what he deserves. And yes, what he's doing is wrong. And yes, I'm hurt. But imagine if I decided to set my mind on things above and not focus my... I would catch myself spending so much time during the day thinking about this person who's offended me and getting riled up. Imagine if we set our mind on things above. Imagine instead of thinking like that, imagine if... Mark, you'd pray for him. Imagine if you would forgive him just as you have been forgiven. You see, I let bitterness start creeping into my heart. Being angry is one thing. It's a God-given thing. You can be angry. God has given us anger because there's righteous anger. The problem comes is when our anger, when you respond like I've responded and you allow your anger to become bitterness. And you keep playing it over and over again and feed that bitterness. 
then it becomes a big problem. So, what did God say to me? Pray for this man. Begin to pray for him. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, in John, I think it was John 14, I have got it here, I'm just going to go away from my notes a little bit because we're running out of time. But Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. It's so simple. And we are told so clearly that if we do not forgive, how are we to be forgiven? So here I am, walking around, not forgiving this man. Yes, it's difficult. It is difficult. And still, every now and again, my anger rises towards us. He will say, the, the, he just knows exactly which buttons to push. But you know what? I am making progress. And I am praying for him. And I am doing my best to, to forgive him. And it has made such an incredible difference to my life. So, set our minds on things above. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's the other thing that uh, it says there. Why? Why should we put to death our earthly natures? Because Jesus loves us furiously and he wants the best for us, guys. Sin separates us. Sin causes separation. My sin causes separation for this poor man who God loves furiously. But I can't, I can't accept that because he's offended me. It's, it's so wrong, guys. Yes, God is disappointed with the way he's behaving. Yes, Jesus understands what I'm going through. He does. Jesus endured much more than I ever had. I've just got a difficult man in my life. That's, that's all it is. And yet, I'm so spiritually immature that I will allow myself to walk around bitter and resentful instead of just being obedient to Jesus' teaching and forgive that person and to humble myself and to treat him with some respect and some love and to be the love of Jesus to that man. Jesus loves him and he loves me. It could just be, you never know, the key that God might use to release that person. So we have to put to death, therefore, our sinful natures. Whatever, we all have certain areas of our lives where we have blind spots, where we uh, have strongholds of sin in our lives. We need to put those things to death, guys. We need to cut it off. We need to put things in place, no matter what it is. You need to arm yourself with, with Scripture. If, if, if you have a problem with unforgiveness or a specific person like that, I have got some scriptures now that I've memorized that I, whenever that feeling starts welling up inside me, I rebuke it with the scripture and I begin to pray for that person. It is incredible what happens. Verse 7 says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all these things. Guys, we, we need to try, we need to put some effort in. Um, I have a bit of an ugly temper and um, especially when I'm under a bit of pressure uh, and I can lose the plot. Um, sorry, Mark, your elders not being held in high esteem here, but it is, 
it is something, it is an area of my life that I have got to put some effort into. And, and, and with Jesus, we can overcome these things. And I am starting to see improvement. Verse 10 says, put on the new self, which has been renewed every day. Guys, every day we need to put on the new self. What does the new self look like? Well, I'm going to read you some quotes from Brennan Manning. If you get anything else out of this book, I hope you begin to pray that passage. And he's talking about, I'm my beloved's, his desire is for me. When you take these words personally, I mean very personally, a number of beautiful things come to pass. The drumbeats of doom in your head will be replaced by a song in your heart, which could lead to a twinkle in your eye. You will not be dependent on the company of others to ease your loneliness, for he is Emmanuel. The praise of others will not send your spirits soaring, nor will their criticism plunge you into the pit. Their rejection may make you sick, but it will not be sickness unto death. In a significant interior development, you will move from I should pray to I must pray. You will live with an awareness that the Father not only loves you, but he likes you. How cool is that? You will stop comparing yourself with others. In the same way, you will not trumpet your own importance or boast about your victories. Off and on throughout the day, you will just know you are being seen by Jesus with a gaze of infinite tenderness. Then we go into verse 12. God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive them as the Lord forgave you. Guys, every day when you are getting dressed, can you picture this? Can you wake up in the morning and start your day with God? When you are getting dressed, when you're putting on your, your, your underwear, can you say, I am putting on humility? <laughs> when you put on your t-shirt, I'm putting on kindness. Goodness. Patience. Then in verse 14, the most important, and this is a preach in itself, and maybe we'll follow it up with a preach in itself, but you guys can do some homework on this. Put on love. The seldom stated truth is that many of us have a longing for God and an aversion to God. Some of us seek Him and flee for Him at the same time. We may scrupulously observe the Ten Commandments and really miss church on a Sunday. But a love affair with Jesus is just not our cup of tea. We need to remind ourselves, guys, daily of how much Jesus loves us and what he has done for us. I want to remind us what love is. Love is patient. From 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, it is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And this is the one scripture that I have had to memorize so that every time that this man infuriates me and offends me, I can read that to myself. It is, love is not irritable. It is not resentful. Love bears all things. 
You know, I love two stories in the Bible. Just in, in closing with, with this love, I love two stories in the Bible. One is the story of the Good Samaritan and the other of the prodigal son. This son throws everything away, takes his inheritance early, squanders it. And this is the story that Jesus is telling. Jesus understands the Father heart of God better than you and I ever will. And there the son comes back and the father runs to him and embraces him. We know the story. Isn't that an incredible? Does that not give you a picture of how much God loves you? And if he loves you like that, he loves that person who's offended you in the same way. We are so judgmental. We, we, we have standards for ourselves and standards for other people. Well, sorry, I talk for myself. I mustn't put that on you guys. I'm sure you guys don't do that. But, but isn't that so true? Don't we so often behave like that older brother who got so miffed and I heard a, 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 a podcast this week by Tim Keller and he said he often wonders why that older brother didn't go and find his younger brother. Why didn't the older brother go and find him and bring him back and say, brother, what are you doing? But he didn't. His heart, the older brother's heart was exposed. He didn't go and do that. He left his younger brother there and he got miffed when his younger brother came home. Aren't we sometimes like that, older brother? But we'd never like to say it, but we need to search our hearts. It's natural to feel fear and insecurity when we're confronted with these radical demands. I mean, these are radical. This is, this is difficult stuff to try and do, guys. But we can do it. That's why Jesus sent us his Holy Spirit. But we also have to be purposeful. And we have to have a plan. And we have to have discipline. And we have to put some effort in. The Christian becomes aware that God's appeal for unlimited generosity from his people has been preceded from his side by a limitless love, a love so intent upon a response that he has empowered us to respond through the gift of his own spirit. And that's from Brendan Manning. I want to close just by reading Just let me find it for us. So, this is uh, a lady called Claudia May Burney, and her life was changed much the same way as uh, Brendan Manning's life was when she read one of his books. I just want to read her conclusion here. You are blessed. God's desire is for you, and Jesus is the incarnation of God's furious longing. He is your supreme lover. It's true. You are blessed. Your soul's winter is over. The snow, snows are over and gone. Flowers are blooming inside you. The, reason of joyful so the season of joyful songs has come to you. You are blessed. The love of God is folly. No one is excluded. All are called to the banquet table. Come and be filled. You are blessed. Beautiful. You. Beautiful. Just be you. Love supports you. You are blessed. 
You've learned the purpose of life, love. You're blessed. You can pray like a child and enjoy God. You're blessed. Heal and be healed. Reclaim affirmations for the kingdom of God. Amen, amen, amen. Go now, beloved brothers and sisters, aflame with what you know to do, love. Do not keep silent. Do not keep quiet until righteousness goes forth like brightness and salvation is a torch burning. Until all nations see your righteousness and all kings your glory, you will be called. The evidence of God's love in the world. That convicted me. Am I called the evidence of God's love in this world? Invite all to God's feast of furious love. Do as the master commands. Go out into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring here the poor and the crippled. Go in love. Go with love. Go because of love. How else will they know our good God? How else will we? By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that amazing? Let's pray, guys. Father, we are just so humbled by the fact that you love us so madly and crazily. Lord Jesus, we are just so grateful for the fact that you lay down your life for us, that you intercede for us, that you are the author and perfecter of our faith, that we can look to you. Thank you for dying so that your Holy Spirit could come and dwell in our hearts and strengthen us and help us to be disciplined and help us to love even those, well, especially those in our lives who we find so difficult to love. What good is it, Lord Jesus, if we just love those who we like to love? What good is that? We are called to love those who are difficult to love. Help us, Lord Jesus, to forgive as you forgave. Help us because we love you, to just be obedient to your word. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And I just want to say, if, if, if you want your life to be changed radically, we have to surrender our lives to Jesus wholeheartedly. We have to lay them down and invite him into our lives. So if you have never done that, I want to encourage you to do it. And... Um, Let's just, let's just have a moment's quiet now. And if you have never done that, if you've never invited Jesus into your hearts, um, I want to encourage you and say, now's the time to do it. I'm not going to embarrass you or anything, but if you can just put up your hand and I'll pray with you. Um, and um, let's just allow Jesus to, just to come and rule and reign in our lives and fill our hearts with his forgiveness and his, his love. Is there anybody here who would like to do that? Lord, we just sit quietly before you now. We just repent of our sinful natures. We are so sorry, Lord Jesus. We are so sorry. Please forgive us. Lord, it really is the desire of our heart to be more like you, Lord Jesus, and to 
be more forgiving and merciful to those around us, to extend love to everybody who we come into contact, just as Nick shared earlier during the course of the day. Help us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, guys. Thanks very much. And yeah, welcome to have a cup of tea. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend. Awesome, guys. Thank you, guys.